This binding force that takes the God, the Father, and this is the strongest force in the universe. Nothing's greater than that. The love of the Father for the Son. How we get in. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I Today's sermon is from John 14, verse 12 to 31. <coughs> Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than this will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, and you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not as carried, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the word gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place. So that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming, he has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to, to God. God. All right, let's take a look now here at this text. Let's, uh, let's take a look and let's dive in. You know, uh, we are in John chapter 14. And I, you know, I, you've heard me complain about this before. I, I, I feel like I'm in the cave of wonders. Do you remember that? illustration for a couple weeks ago, the cave of wonders. And that's really my 
my governing kind of metaphor for this text. And, and what I'm describing there, and I'm hoping you will see, is this text is dripping with, with, with treasure. And what I mean is, it has things like this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world. Oh, that's gorgeous. Now, we're not even going to look at that today. We're not going to get there. There's so much here. We're going through the cave of wonders. Now, do you remember in the cave of wonders in Aladdin what the rule was? What was the rule? What was the rule? Don't touch anything as you're going in except for the final prize. And the final prize is the lamp, right? It's the lamp. And the lamp, at least in the most recent movie, is at the top of a, like a peak of gold and diamonds and rubies and a stone. And, and, he, and, and of course, Aladdin's going for that treasure and his little monkey, uh, Abu, Abu is, uh, messes everything up. But there's a, I'm, the reason I bring that up is I want you to have this image that there's treasures everywhere here. There's treasures. We're going to look at, we're going to look at them today. <laughs> Some of the, well, I think the, the greatest treasure in this text. And, 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 and I want us to have that image that in the cave of wonders, in the story, it's a test of Aladdin's character that he will go to the, he will go and get the one great treasure, the greatest treasure and not stop for all the things along the way. And not be distracted, not be tempted, not be allured, not be set off course. And I'm going to say that that is so true from, Matt, from John 14 all the way through John 17. What I mean is, is there's treasures everywhere. Let's take a look right here, this piece, this piece right here, the peace treasure. Oh, aren't we all for peace? We could stop right here and go, oh, I want peace. I want to talk about peace. I want to hear about peace. I want to give peace. Oh gosh, I hope we're going to get on a peace train together. Let's smoke a peace pipe. There's all sorts of places you can go with this, right? But hear me here. That's the wrong place to go first. You see, if you touch the treasures along the way, if you try to give up peace, oh, I want peace. Or maybe you come along the way and say, oh, I, I love this idea of answered prayer. Oh, there's, there's answered prayer. Oh, I want that treasure. Oh, I want, oh, I want this treasure of love. If you love me, oh, we love each other. That's another treasure. But if you take the treasures and you don't go for the greatest treasure first, it's a, tre it's a test of your character. Your character is being tested by the promises of Jesus here. Isn't that weird? In all these words of Jesus, your character is being tested. What do you truly want? We all want peace, don't we? Oh, yes, yes. But what do you truly want? You diamond in the rough. <laughs> what do you truly want? What do you truly seek? And, and the point being is there is a treasure beyond all treasures given to us in Jesus. And you know what it is? It's Jesus. <laughs> now, you see, you see how we could make the mistake of entering the cave of wonders, all these truths, all these promises, all these wonderful things that we want, that we crave, that we want to see in the world around us. And we want to take a shortcut and pick them up. But don't do it. I know you want to, and I want to too soon, but don't do it. Go for Jesus first. Go for the Father. Go for the Son. Go for the Holy Spirit. And this is the place I want us to go. And this is the place I always want us to engage the text. Because the cave of wonders, its treasures, its beauty, its wonders can only be known if you go for the right treasure first. Does that make sense? You have to go to the right treasure first. If you, if you try to shortcut into all of God's treasures without coming to Jesus, you're, just, you're going to be flailing around, trying to wonder why you don't have this stuff, why you can't get this stuff. And you'll begin to wonder, 
Are these promises true? Is it promises as big as whatever you ask in my name? Could it be that true? And then you begin to flounder and fail and, and get fretful and fearful, right? Because it ain't working or it's not functioning properly. And it was because in your trip to the cave of wonders, all the beauties and promises of Jesus, what do, you, what do we always do? We're always plundering something for ourselves. We're always want something along the way that'll satisfy us. And we don't want the giver himself. This is essential. You see, we want the gifts over the giver. And we, do, we make this mistake over and over and over again. Mistaking and searching for the gifts that he gives and not for him. Oh, you see how big a mistake this is? And we could be in the cave of wonders and miss the whole treasure because we missed him. We missed what was being offered in him, offered through the spirit, offered to the father. And this is where kind of this text gets so wonderful. So what I want us to see first is how the treasure works. And it's all the treasure in the prepositions. Oh, look at them. Now you can barely see them. Now I guess now I look at the bold. I mean, I should have made them bigger. But in the first part of this text, do you see it? In, 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 in. In fact, the Greek in particular is into. It's more kinetic. It's not merely even locative. It's, it, has a, it has an aggressive, almost, uh, what would you call it? Kinetic sense. Yeah, it's moving. It's, it's, it's moving into something. And so it's an alive word. It's not static. It's dynamic. It's alive. And right here, all of the promises of God are what? The idea of you being in him and him in you. It's the only way the treasures work. It's the only way the cave works. You have to go directly to be in him. Today is Reformation Sunday. Did you know that? It's Reformation Sunday. I'm a Presbyterian. This is my, this is our great, this is it. John Knox himself, who founded the church that this tradition is based upon, studied under Calvin in Geneva. But Calvin's great theological contribution was not predestination. Many of you might think that. It's just a, it's the way, predestination is the, is the, is the fighting words, right? People don't want to hear it. You know, that's when the people get in dirty and they don't want to hear those words and want to fight about them. That's not what Calvin specialized in. No, what Calvin novelly and in an amazing way in his insight specialized in was an idea that had emptied itself out of Christianity. And it does again and again, where Christianity loses its focus and its fight and its, and its, and its, and its uh, passion to be in Christ, to be in God and him in you. And if you listen, if you're listening carefully, this is the treasure of all treasures. For it opens the door to everything in Jesus. Oh, you're not even getting it. I can tell you're not excited enough. You should be more excited and listening to this. And obviously you're kind of going, yeah, I am. You're not, you're not there yet. Well that's, well, that's the goal here is to bring you there today and to bring you and to have these prepositions become holy, to have the prepositions give you hope, to have the prepositions give you a guidance to how to live, how to praise, how to worship, how to know God, how to be holy, or why you should be holy. The prepositions tell all, but they put us in an eternal God and they take this imminence, this flesh, and touch it with transcendence. And God's love. You see, something ama amazing happens that should not be possible. You see, it should not be possible, Sharon, for you to know or access or have any vision of transcendence and infinite, infinite grace. It shouldn't be possible. You're merely a, a mortal, humble, finite creature. Ah, 
Ah, but the Savior comes to you. And what does he do? What does he do? We've been talking about this again and again. It's the power of a transitive holiness. I want to go back. Go look at verse 20. Look at verse 20 and, and soak in it. Verse 20 is your hope for eternal life. Apart from verse 20, there's nothing but damnation and condemnation. What is it? In that day, I hope it's today, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I, you get it? This transitive, if A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C. And the idea is that by faith, by faith, the transitive holiness is active. Here's Dylan. Dylan's in Jesus. Because he's in Jesus, it means he's in the Father. What greases the skids? What opens the doors? What applies all this? What gets it moving? What makes the, what's bought by Christ's sacrifice applicable to this moment, this hour, this minute, my words? It's the Holy Spirit. You see the arrows here? The Holy Spirit opens this up, connecting us to eternity and eternity to us. What am I talking about? The very mystery that's talked about in 2 Peter. We are partakers of the divine nature, or Hebrews 3, 14. Sharers. Sharers to go. The first word there, partakers, you might know it. Koinonia. You ever heard the word koinonia? That's that word right there. Koinonia. It's fellowship, uh, relationship, intimacy, friendship. We are partakers. With, we have koinonia with the divine nature. We have become sharers. This is an ancient word that was used by ancient, even the ancient uh, Batoika or something. It's, it was used by ancient mystics to describe us, how God's spirit emanates into the world. It's actually used as a technical philosophical term by Philo and other great ancient mystics. Ah, oh, but the ancient mystics, the ancient mystics didn't describe this. They didn't describe the presence of a person coming to make it happen. In other words, what most mysticism teaches you, Grace, is that through a system of discipline, self-discipline and searching, you can climb your way to God, right? That's the mystic ladder. Every mystical teacher will teach you that's how you, that's how you do it. That is not biblical teaching. In biblical teaching, you don't build a ladder to God. God descends to you. He opens the, he, he opens the door. And so, that, so what is missing in so many visions and so many ideas about transcendence and reaching God is what? His personal connection to us in the helper. Oh, the helper. How should we, this is, you may have heard this word, it's called paraclete. Paraclete. It's been, it's been translated in so many different ways. But all right, that first diagram may be a little empty. So I'm trying to, figure out some ways to get these diagrams speaking truth to you. But I want you to see the Trinity here. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And paraclete, some, these are different translations. Uh, counselor is one of the ones I didn't put on here. Comforter, encourager, advocate, true friend, champion, helper. The, the, the Holy Spirit, and we'll look at more at the person and work of the Holy Spirit next week. But the Holy Spirit then takes us and in this text is putting us into the, into the Trinity. It's like the ultimate inner circle, right? <laughs> now, you don't belong. Jack doesn't belong here. Take a look at him. He doesn't belong here, does he? How does Jack, how does Eric get here? You knew he was coming, didn't you? It doesn't matter if you're in the front row or not. How does Eric get here? How does Corey get here? How do we arrive here? How do we have a place that would say, that would communicate so much blessing to us? How, how, how should we get there? We're going to get there by faith, but that's, I want to go deeper than that. 
you guys, uh, we have to go there through the blood of Jesus. Um, you have to go there by first putting your trust in Christ's sacrifice for you. You're like, what? what's the matter of this? What's going on here, Chris? Wait. You seem like you're talking about so many wonderful things, and all of a sudden you put blood in it. Why do you put blood in here? Why does blood go in here? Well, oddly, because this place of, tr- this place of eternal love, and this is by the way these lines are love. And by the way, did you see how many times love happens in this chapter? And every time, almost every time, almost every time, it describes the love of the Father and the Son. You see, you see this? This is the greatest force in the universe. Right here. This binding force that takes the God, the Father, and this is the strongest force in the universe. Nothing's greater than that. And the love of the Father for the Son. This is unbreakable. There's no force that can act on this from the outside. No force can break it. No force can enter. How we get in? God, the Holy Spirit, applies to us as a comforter, encourager, and advocate, as a true friend and champion. He brings to us, he's the delivery boy. That's the funny thing about this. Christ is the the doorman. He's the doorman, open the door. Come in, please, into all that Christ is, and all that is in the the eternity, in the eternal Godhead. All right, still not popping for you, huh? All right, let's let's, let's see here. You don't belong there, right? We've already said that. How are you going to get there? You ever had the concept of a clean room? You ever heard the concept of a clean room? That happens in medical, medical practice. The idea of a clean room is a room that they have taken an extra amount of care, an extra amount of diligence to make sure that no biological agent or anything that could corrupt the specimen that's in the room can corrupt it. And so you go through a process of being cleaned and washed, to cleaned and washed and clothes, maybe changing your clothes with new clothes and, and then washed again. Usually there's a, and movies, movies always have a great versions of this. You know, usually there's some sort of spray, you know, all over you, and you're walking into the clean room, slowly getting in there, so you can get it, and of course, in the, in the build-up to the clean room, something dirty's going to happen, you know, like, you know something bad's going to happen, the more stages there are to get inside the clean room, right? Something bad's going to happen, but not in this story. Christ, this place here, of eternal love and power and majesty beyond space and time and beyond the creation of the universe, is the ultimate clean room. There's no way in unless you are completely germ-free. You have to be washed so completely, so thoroughly. You, everything must be removed. Every dirt, every impurity, every unholiness, everything must be removed. Everything you did, every, every heart, every heart desire that wasn't, wasn't pure, everything has to be clean to come before a holy and perfect God. So what will you do? Well, that's where you come to the treasure of Jesus and his love and the sacrifice on the cross. And that blood, how does it get to you though? It comes by faith, but it gets to you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the delivery boy. He's the delivery. And, he, and you know what sounds, it almost sounds kind of uh, like we're almost being disrespectful, doesn't it? But it's not. Jesus himself calls himself what? A door. You want to understand me? Understand me, I'm a door. How shall we understand the Holy Spirit? He's the doorman. He's the doorman, always waiting, always opening, always applying and giving you Jesus. Always giving you Jesus. More, We'll see it. It's a, it this text drips with it. But you can only enter into this holy place by what? By faith in the blood that makes you clean. Praise him. This is the heart of all living faith in Jesus Christ. 
is that he who knew no sin became sin for you. The clean room is open. Why? Because people like Alex and me are now clean. Praise him. Wonders of what? The cave of wonders. Are you kidding me? What could be more wonderful than a man like me being clean? It is impossible, but it is because of God. But now, oh wait, the deliverables. We have to, I want to get to deliverables. I want you to see this. I want you to get excited about this because, all right, I just said Jack is in here, right? Now, wherever Jack is, all of this now is present. You see, the Holy Spirit is a door going both ways. He opens all of the glory of God for you to approach, for you to go, for you to be, for you to identify, for you to have him. What else does he do though? Then God comes into you. You see, it's a two-way door. You are now in Christ. Now Christ is in you. Now the adventure suddenly spins on its head and where you realize you had all this access, all this beauty, all this glory, all this joy. And now it's meant to be a clue to how you're living in in your marriage, in your life, at work. So much starts piling out of here. I, oh, all right, let's, let's, let's pile it all. Let's see what comes. Let's see what comes out. And let's work the prepositions. Whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you, so, what is, so we're in that privileged place in the Trinity, right? And now all of God the Father, all of God the Son, all of God the Holy Spirit is right here inside this kid. <laughs> now, what's he supposed to do with it? What's he supposed to do with it? And I think this is about activating it. I think one of the first things you need to do in your prayer life is to pray for your prayer life and is to pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean to get serious about asking for an invasion into your will, into your desires, into your practices, into your loves. Now. All the God for all of you has been put on display. So activate it. Look, do you notice? I want you to notice this. He's saying, go and ask in my name. And what does, why is that going to work? Because he's asking. Do you get it? Like it's, it's transitive. He, you asked me, says Jesus. Why? Because I'm asking for you, you see? And what's he asking for? The Holy Spirit to give you, like it's, it's, a, it's an expansive, uh, you'd almost say exponentially expanding reality. Then this is the spirit of prayer. It is the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. It's the spirit that when we can't, we don't know what to say or how to say it or, or even want to say it, we can say it anyway <laughs> with words that can't be understood. Get the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, pray for, pray for the Holy Spirit for your pastor. This is, the glint, this is the key activating moment where all of the eternal transcendence of God either washes into San Francisco or it doesn't. And so pray for, pray for the Holy Spirit to invade into your staff meetings, into your days, into your hours, into your minutes, and, and ask for God to move in all of you with all of him. <laughs> Can you imagine what? Do you notice I, you'll do greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father in verse 12. Do you get why that promise is so living? We're going to unpack those promises next week as well as we ask, what does it mean to ask in his name? But even as we do it, even as we do it here, we see its first purpose was to bring us into union with God. You know what we need. You know what you need, Grace. You need more union. You need more of the Holy Spirit, brother, more sister, brother. We need the Holy Spirit active. We need to cry out. Well, you know, it's funny in that moment, in that moment where 
let's go back to it. Remember that moment you're here? In that moment you're here, do you realize what God has done? Why is it? All right. We, we, began our, we began worship with what? The Gloria Patri, it's called. What did we say? Glory be to the Father. Glory be to the Son. Glory be to the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Who, who before an eternal God, who before a God greater than space and time can stand and say, hey, by the way, you should glorify this one. I'm the one to tell you how to act with this God. How am I as a pastor going to stand up here and say that? I'll tell you how. Because I've been put in there already. And all of this now is in me. You should mark what I say as a minister of the gospel. When I speak to you the words of God, it is God speaking. It's not me anymore. Listen, 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 listen. And don't quench. Listen, listen, and ask to hear more diligently. Yes. Ask. All right, so we have this first asking, this first inviting, this first asking for others. And hopefully, and I think this triggers a lot. I, I, I would say if there's one prayer, you even pray in your life, that maybe prayer has gotten to hit an all-time low for you. You can raise your hand if you want. But uh, maybe prayer is an all-time low. This is a great place to start. <laughs> Holy Spirit, give me the Holy Spirit, Father. Give me the Holy Spirit. That will be enough. And it will be. It will be. You know, it's funny. I was praying for the sermon to this morning. And, you know, a lot of times it's very hard for me not to get past, Father, give me the Holy Spirit. Because right? <laughs> I want the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do this, this job, to speak these things and to have them be winsome. And a moment, it took me a long time in ministry, I'm ashamed to say, for it to be, no, give your Holy Spirit to my people. You know, it's not enough for me to have it. <laughs> we all got to have it. It's because it's that it's it's the it's the exponential expansion of the kingdom that happens. We're asking the Father, He's asking the Father, we're asking, and you can see the expansive greatness that's available in the asking of wonders. We're in the cave of wonders here. We're in the cave, we're in the Trinity itself. How can this be? It is. It is. Jesus purchased that way for you. But what's the next thing that the Holy Spirit creates? In the prepositions, he recreates holiness. Look at this. Three times it's said. And you'll notice it's said in three different ways. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that's in the positive. And then the third time it says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. You see, that's a positive, then a negative. And then, in fact, it's reversed in 23. So Christ is saying it like every way he can say it. He's saying, keep my words. If you don't keep my words, you don't. And then... He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he who loves me. And does not put the love first, right? You see, he plays it back and forth three times. Why three times? You know what's amazing to me? <laughs> I had a commentary had to point this out to me. I, I, tend to think, I, I tend to think when I read the scriptures, I can see things and I can gather together by the Spirit. But you know why this humbled me that I didn't see this? Because it made me realize that holiness is not something I have an instinct for. And it's something that needs to change. And it needs to change with our community too. Because what is described here? If you love Christ, you keep his commandments. Period. What is the Holy, when the Holy Spirit's present, we are no longer creating our own moralities. Where the Holy Spirit is present, we no longer reinvent, well, what I do with my self-sexual, or what I do with my material things, or what I do with my mouth, or how I speak. Every... And all of a sudden, you see, you hear it. 
There's a, there's, it comes right down into our lives. If you don't have, if, if you don't care about how you appear before your boss or how you appear at work, right, then you are not, you don't love him. If you think I can do it, say, please, how many have done this? You know, you don't get paid enough at work, let's say, or you have a grumble with how you're remunerated. And so you justify all of the paper and pens and pencils that you take, right? We've all done these games. We've all had these little games. Well, you know what? I'm going to cheat an hour. I'm going to take an extra hour at lunch because I gave them so much and they don't, they don't give it back to me. Who's the, who's the, who's the, who's the keeper? Who's the, uh, who's the one who's creating that law? You are. You're creating your own rules. You're saying, I determine what righteousness looks like to me and how I feel and what I want and what's owed me. Do you hear it? Do you hear our Savior's three-time claim? You don't get to create your own morality. No generation does. No time, no person, no woman, no man. What happens where the Holy Spirit's present? Where the Holy Spirit is present, people don't say, we found a new morality. They say, what? What has Jesus said? (laughs) What has Jesus said? And by the way, Genesis to Revelation, it's all what he said. Yes and amen. For six times, he is called the spirit of truth. And we'll look at every time. And it's beautiful to us. This truth is, is, is righteousness. Now, what does this mean? All of God. Now, now, now you begin to see. Let, let's, let's take an idea here. Let's just kind of, let's work, let's work the diagram, right? Here you are, all of you in the Father. Let's kind of get down. Let's take from the transcendent right down into, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you want to give them the finger, right? What at that moment, if you do that, what have you, what is God the Son and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit just participating in? Do you get it? Here is the warrant for how precious your holiness should be to you. Because you are, whether you like it or not, you are in visible ways in the way you, you do reports and the way you interact with others. You, it's right there right now. And, and, and this can cause a little bit of fear to happen in us because if you've been using or if you've been, if you, if you've been, uh, uh, been really deep into porn or if you've really been deep into, into a licentious lifestyle and a lot of drugs, you, you, you begin to realize, gosh, I just, I've, taken, I've taken the Trinity a lot. Holy cow, Chris, I don't want to hear this. I've taken the Trinity in some terrible places. Amen. You did. And now that you love him, a new instinct for holiness is coming into play. The Holy Spirit is creating what? An instinct for holiness. This word keep that happens in every, every, every phrase. This way, uh, oh, I'm going ahead, but I'll go back here so you can see it. I mean, I'm not, I do all this work on this. I might as well use it. And you'll see it in every, it says, whoever keeps them. And uh, what is it? if anyone loves me, he will keep them. Keep. And I love this word because, because, Sometimes if I hear this, some of you are going to get despair. You're like, I, Chris, I'm so unholy, I don't even know how to think straight. Chris, I, I'm a sinner. I'm, I fail every day. That keep word so wonderful because it's the word of that watching over diligently. Because in the end, we all fail, right? But what are we being trained by the Spirit with a new instinct for holiness? A new attentiveness to our words and our ways so that we realize that idle words and words spoken and attitudes, even your attitude at work, <laughs> has to be a holy thing that reveals him and obeys him. For he told you, when you are at work, you are working for me. When you're a student, you are studying under him. Reckon then with your holiness and what it means. And why, and you can see why Christ would emphasize it three times over. 
Yeah, because we are such a disobedient people. And then, finally, this kind of trick, and this is where I want to stand today. Lord, how is it that you will manifest? This word manifest is kind of, it's kind of antique. I think there's, I will manifest. There's another one there. I don't like that translation. I almost changed it, but it had already gone to print. Uh, manifest, it means to show. And I like the show me attitude. I like that show. Demon, show it, show off, to show it off. Because what happens here, J Judas, not Iscariot, he's not the traitor. Judas was a common name before Judas Iscariot ruined it. Um, <laughs> not a lot of Judases anymore, are there? Uh, I always wonder why anybody would ever name their child that. Uh, so, all right, I'm getting off track. So Judas says to him, wait a second, this is all well and good, but when are you going to show off to the world? I mean, come on, we're a bunch of fishermen and yahoos from rural Palestine. When are you going to show the world what we've already seen on a majestic being of unparalleled power who we call the Messiah, the Son of God? We are doing what? What are, you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm leaving. Whoa, 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 wait a second, Jesus. I haven't found you for three years. What do you mean you're leaving? Where are you going? Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were going to show, I thought we were going to show off to the world. And God is saying, yeah, I'm going to show off to the world. And I'm going to do it in a very peculiar way. Look at this. Lord, how is it you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And, and, and he's asking, I don't get it. It's just us. Nobody believes us anyway. We're a bunch of yahoos. And Christ doubles down. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we, this is unusual because God, the son does not, very rarely does he use this imperial plural. It's very, very rare in the Bible. Very rare. Like so rare. And then it probably ever happens. In the creation, it happens. It says, let us make man our image. But that's a, that's a Hebrew construction in the, in the Hebrew language. Our, we will come to him. And the reason I know it's so unusual is because I capitalize all these pronouns all the time and I've never capitalized a we. That's how unusual it is. Christ doubles down that he's going to enter Jack. And Jack just asked, let's put Jack in Judas's shoe here for a second. Jack just asked, why aren't you revealing yourself to San Francisco? And then Jesus says, no, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that I am from eternity in Jack. Itty bitty living space right there. Phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. Itty bitty living space. Itty bitty living space. Right? But you catch this. Why is he doubling down? He's saying, now you are my presence. Did you think that evangelism was something that you, special you did occasionally? If it is, you've completely misunderstood it. You are to be the burning presence of a sacrificial eternal love in every word, every attitude, everything you do. Oh my goodness, it's like, like, he's, like he's, I don't know how many people you met, met this week, Sid, when I don't know how many times you've been in, a, a, in front of a barista or giving a report or talking to your boss. He, she, the barista, they have met with God. Do they know it? They have met with an eternal God, all of the Trinity, all of God in you. Do they even know it? 
Is there anything about your place or your, or, your, or your generosity or your love or your tenderness or your kindness and your words about what you have and who you know that drips from you? You see, evangelism, I think effectively, is the drip and the overflow and the inability that, that, that Frankie has any longer to hold it in. Because you see, this is a big God, isn't it? This is a big, this is all the Trinity, all out there. And what do we do? What do we do? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. What did you do Sunday? I went to church. Oh, yeah, I went to church. Oh, no, 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 you can say even better. What did you do Sunday? I went to the park. Oh, when did you, where, did you spend the whole day there? No, I went to church first. What, I'm sorry, what? I went to church first. We all do this. We're all kind of like, oh, I don't know. Should I say anything? Am I, you know, and you, we've heard confusing things like this. You know, share the gospel much. Use words when necessary. Oh, I, words are always necessary. He is called the word. And you see this, in this constant, this, is, this is idea that the you, and, you are the author of the eternal love and everything that burns in all of creation is right here in front of me. And I'm here that to give that to you, and you're here you're supposed to be giving that to me. <laughs> you see, I'm supposed to experience God through you too. And, we're, and this is why our, our Bible studies are holy. I know many of you have busy schedules. That's fine. fine but you remember these places are holy, holy places because people, and I see it, I see it every week. You know, people, they, you know, they imagine when you can read the original language or you've studied it, you have some insight to be You really don't. Because you know what I find? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity are present. And I hear from Cedric insights into the word that I've not heard from a professor. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Uh, you've seen there, Lindsay. You've seen it happen. Tal's seen it happen. I'll tell you how that happens. It happens because of these truths are active. They're alive in the world. And a, an amazing wonder has happened. Something's been unleashed, unleashed in San Francisco. Something's being unleashed as we meet here on Sunday morning. Something is being awoken in the world that we are a part of. Father, Holy Spirit, oh dear Father, give us the Son and give us to the city and let the Holy Spirit run through it all because that's our hope. You see, in a weird way, you're, you're the gatekeeper now to the cave again. The same cave you went into to find Jesus. Now you're the entry. Now you're the, you're the person helping. Now you're the cave. Now, because it's where you live. You live in the presence of divine, eternal, burning, powerful, awesome, eternal love. And it's, it's burning right now, right there, right there. It's, can you imagine that? I can actually point at all that? It's right there. It's right there. Point at each other. It's right there. It's right, look around you. It's right there. It's right there. How can that? I don't know. It's amazing. God did a lot with the cross. It's right, there. it's right around you. Praise him. Let's pray to be unleashed, right? Unleashed into all this living life by the presence and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm excited. Let's be excited together. I think I had some. Do I have any last point? No, I don't. I'm done. All right. Let's pray. Father... This is the reality that we can only marvel at. We can't touch or manipulate. We can only marvel at it and, and ask you to come out of your glory into our lives like this. And then through our lives, reveal yourself. We need it. We have a lot of places to be and a lot of things to do. And a lot of times it's bewildering to us, Father. And we, have been, we haven't been mindful. And I guess in a sense, this is what this is, a mindfulness. 
that's created by you, Holy Spirit. Make us mindful this week. Mindful that we have this treasure. Mindful that we are your presence. Mindful that we must be holy. Mindful that we can ask (laughs) for more. (laughs) More of you. More of your presence. More of your love. Mindful that the clean room is always open to those cleaned by the blood of Jesus, your Son. Give us new hope and new boldness in that. And Father, we're wandering the cave of wonders. Promise is greater than anything in space and time. Just help us, help us to wander in through and, and to find that treasure that we need above everything. You. <laughs> help us to find you. Give us you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Father. All right, so it is good. So we come to the table. Why do we come to the table? Well, the table is a unique opportunity for you to enact the prepositions. Now watch me, watch me, watch me. Jesus is so, he talks baby talk. Why? Because people like Alex and me are really slow learners. Do you get the point now? In. But here's the mystery. This goes into me, but that's also a picture of me in him as well as him. The Holy Spirit opens both doors, right? Eternity is flowing both ways. Now, eternity is flowing both ways. Eternity is flowing into the table and out to you and from you. Praise him. So this is a table that is yours by faith. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. He made these tactile, immediate references because you need to know how dynamic and how kinetic and how real and how intimate and how penetrative God is into you. Praise him. Isn't it sweet that he gave us such an objective picture when we, are, we have so many different pictures? And Oh, here it is. It's so simple. All of him for all of you. Oh, and we, we enact it in there. So I invite you to take this table if you're a sinner whose trust is in Jesus. If you're somebody who knows that you can't enter the clean room unless Jesus makes you clean. If you know that this is your table, get to it and fill up on Jesus. Oh, but do you see there's a crisis that could happen right here? There's a crisis that could happen right here. Look at that. Look at that diagram. It, oh, never mind. <laughs> it's okay, Arnav. <laughs> it's okay, I'm done. Uh, if you think you're a good person, you don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. Do you see that? Anybody who thinks they're good people, oh, I'm a good person to God. He's going to love me because I'm good. Don't you get it? You just said the Holy Spirit. You didn't need the Holy Spirit. You didn't need Jesus. You didn't need to be cleaned. If that's you right now, I, my heart goes out to you. But if you think you're a good man or a good woman, uh, this is going to sound shocking. I think you're unworthy of this table. I think the only people worthy of the table are the people who think they're not. <laughs> Praise him. Praise him. The clean room is open. Now, finally, some of you are skeptics. 
And in your skepticism and your analysis, you finally say, in the end, you say, Chris, you have not proved your point. You have not proven to me that there is a God yet. Okay. Well, then I invite you to watch and keep watching. Keep watching. Because Jesus said, you may even believe because of the works you see. Because of the God you see living between me and Grace and me and Tal and me and Peter. And you'll see it yourself and you'll know it's true. If you do see that and know it's true, hopefully someday you'll join us at this table on our hope. Praise him. All right, so I offended good people, welcomed bad people, and told skeptics to give up their skepticism. All right, that sounds about right. All right, here's the drill. I ask you if you will come to this table to assent to the claims made in the Apostles' Creed, which we will now, which we will now assent to and we will claim as our belief system. Make no mistake, I think there are no myths. There are no myths in the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is a statement about what happened in space and time when a God became man and died, rose again. I ask you to assent to these. If you do not assent to them, this is not your table. That makes sense. Um, okay, so in that koinonia of the Spirit now, I ask you, will you proclaim to me and let us proclaim together the mystery of our faith? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Tell me, Christian, brother and sister, visitor and guest, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, he descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.